Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Tuesday, September 27th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. The owner of a Tower Grove edible landscaping business says relying on resilient, natural landscaping could be vital as the world adjusts to changing weather patterns. It's the native plants that have stuck around and are continuing to to thrive despite, you know, the crazy flood years and the crazy drought years. A local business owner talks about the importance of plant biodiversity in the face of climate change in just a few minutes. That story is part of St. Louis Public Radio and NPR's Next Generation Radio Project. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is sending Missouri $35 million to help communities battle the opioid epidemic. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, organizations say the funding will be pumped into prevention and treatment initiatives. $25 million will go towards opioid response programs and the rest to prevention and treatment efforts across the state. The nonprofit organization Prevent Ed will receive $1 million over three years to start an opioid treatment program in Lincoln County. Executive Director Ginny Armbruster says the program will increase awareness of substance abuse disorders and provide those who need help with mentoring and support from people who have experienced opioid addiction. Programs like this allow us to think a little more creatively, a little more innovative about how do we get to people that need help instead of waiting for them to come to us. The Illinois Department of Human Services will receive $37 million for opioid prevention. I'm Chad Davis. St. Louis Public Radio. The St. Louis Police Officers Association's business manager is leaving the organization. Jeff Rorda has been with the association for almost 12 years. The Post-Dispatch reports he is moving on despite concerns about the future of policing. Rorda says, quote, the association is truly at a crossroads. He adds there were several contentious votes for spots on the group's board last month. The association represents roughly 1,000 police officers, St. Louis County prosecutors, and some civilian workers. A proposed railway merger that includes a line running from Kansas City to St. Louis and then on to Springfield, Illinois, will get a three-day hearing in Washington, D.C. Michelle O'Neill reports the Surface Transportation Board will hear testimony tomorrow on the merger of Canadian Pacific Railway and Kansas City Southern. Michael Booth, public affairs officer for the board, says the three-day hearing is formal and will feature witness testimony, rebuttals, and questions from members of the board. The board typically separates public input from the evidentiary portion of the hearing. For example, at a recent hearing, the board took one day for registered speakers to comment, and the comments were grouped together by topic. The second part is the evidentiary hearing with parties involved in the application. The Surface Transportation Board may release its final decision early next year. I'm Michelle O'Neill. Sports wagering is way up in Illinois, but the state's comptroller says not enough to fix the overall state budget. Betting increased 60% last year compared to 2020. The state made $92 million in that period, which went to infrastructure upgrades and repairs. Susanna Mendoza says that total is just a drop in the bucket for the state's $40 billion spending plan. Illinois' Commission on Government Forecasting and Accountability predicts more growth in sports wagering with licenses still to be issued and in-person betting to be allowed at major venues. 
Conservationists looking to restore prairie in the Midwest have created a grass bank in Missouri where ranchers can graze their cattle. Harvest Public Media's Eva Testify spent time at the Nature Conservancy's Dunn Ranch Prairie. On this land in northern Missouri, the Nature Conservancy provides grassland for local ranchers' cattle. The land benefits from cows eating invasive cool season grasses and the ranchers' pasture is allowed to rest. Rancher John Leakin says that prairie grasses and animals are returning on his land too. We stockpiled a lot of grass in the spring and the summer. We got cows down here and uh, probably seeing a little bit more wildlife. I'm seeing a few more birds up there. I've about stepped on a few pheasants this summer. Leakin says that despite the poor reputation of cattle in environmental circles, conservationists can benefit from working with ranchers, not against them. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Eva Tesfai. Foodscaper Matt Lebon owns an urban food forest in Tower Grove. He speaks to NPR Next Generation Radio's Mina Viswanathan about how this type of agriculture can help the world adapt to climate change. Edible landscaping is pretty much the same thing as landscaping, except we use edible plants instead of the traditional ornamental plants that we oftentimes see. So. A lot of times you might see in traditional landscaping something like a boxwood or a hydrangea and instead of those plants we might plant a blueberry or a serviceberry. I'm standing here in the backyard we're looking at a lot of different fruit trees so we've got a persimmon, we've got a peach, we've got an Asian pear. Uh, right next to us here is a beech plum which is a uncommon. My name is Matthew Liban and I am a foodscaper. I own and operate custom foodscaping. I think climate change is one of the things that has informed my passion through a lot of contextual examples. And as time goes on, I'm starting to peel those layers back and, and start to understand them better. You know, the first example I could probably point to was what, what we call here in St. Louis the flood of 93. Uh, I grew up out in West St. Louis County where we had a huge flood in 1993. The levee walls broke and um, or were, you know, over overwhelmed and huge areas of of land, you know, were flooded right by where I grew up. All the baseball fields and soccer fields that I grew up playing on were underwater. And I think that really was the first natural event that gave me context for the power of water and what it is to think critically about engineering topics and about how we design cities and landscapes to manage flood conditions and increase rain conditions. In the face of challenging weather conditions, we really try to focus on tough, resilient plants, native plants, native grasses, things like you know, little blue stem and prairie drop seed are really common grasses that we like to plant. We like to plant echinacea and black-eyed Susan and other native flowers. These are the types of important native plants that are going to weather the storm of challenging weather conditions and still do their important job of providing nectar for pollinators, for sequestering carbon in the soil. And these are really important functions to play around the plants that we need for their ability to provide food. So 
we plant these plants around things that might be really well suited for you know flood conditions like the pawpaw it's got this tropical flavor and texture very similar to a mango or a banana i think i have one in the fridge we can try it it's a very small right it can handle a lot of water we plant a lot of elderberry that can handle a lot of water and then on the other side of the equation we love to plant things that are drought tolerant and also produce food like the mulberry I mentioned also can that can handle drought conditions. It's a tough, resilient plant. I love those plants. We plant a lot of figs. We plant a lot of jujubes, sometimes called the Chinese date, because they look like dates and they kind of taste like dates, but they have that they have that freeze dried like crunch to them. That is These are the types of uncommon plants that are well suited to edible landscaping and they're well suited to to drought and excess you know flood conditions. Not all of the native plants are going to survive climate change or changing climatic conditions, but the vast majority of them have stood the test of time. It's the native plants that have stuck around and are continuing to, to thrive despite, you know, the crazy flood years and the crazy drought years, and those are our biggest allies. That's St. Louis foodscaper Matt Liebon speaking to Mina Viswanathan. Mina was among six young reporters involved in an intensive radio boot camp this month at St. Louis Public Radio as part of NPR's Next Generation Radio Project. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Have a great day. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.